One part you've not gone into, something that you told me about, is that somewhere around the age of 16 or maybe younger, you realized that you were seeing auras in a light around people uh, or within people's energy field and body. And that was not common for everybody else. Oh, it was trouble. And see, that happened because of church. I was in church and the prophet was walking around touching people or whispering in their ears, telling them what their gift is, that God told him what our gift is. And he walked up to me and he whispered, you're a prophetess. And then he touched me and it flipped me out. I just started shaking. I started speaking in tongues for the first time. I stood up and I couldn't control the feelings. I could still kind of feel it in my eyes, wanting to kind of cry about it. It was, it, it was ecstatic. It was, it was like an orgasm. And I just kept going and going. And then my friends tell me what happened was I fell out, like in the aisle close to the front in the altar. Ray, I don't know how long I was out, but I was out long enough that when I woke up, the church was over and my friends were there and some other people. But when I was out, I just remember this face, kind of like a gold, like a white face, with like this golden light around. And it wasn't Jesus Christ. I knew it wasn't Jesus, but there was this light. And I just kept seeing this. All I, I saw the face, but I wasn't looking at the face. I was looking at the light around the head, this golden light the whole time, and I can still see it. And when I came to, I could see that energy around everyone in the room. This podcast videocast series is The Sexual Shaman, Conversations on Sexuality and Spirituality. I am your host, Kenneth Ray Stubbs. This series is inspired by a book I envisioned contributed to, edited, and published 30 years ago, entitled Women of the Light, The New Sacred Prostitute. This current podcast, videocast, is a series of conversations with both women and men of the light, all about sexuality and spirituality. Here we openly support all sexual orientations, all genders, all gender identifications, all races, all ethnicities, but not all creeds, such as white supremacy. Welcome, I am Kenneth Ray Stubbs, and this is the Sexual Shaman Podcast, Conversations on Sexuality and Spirituality. Today, we're gonna to be dancing with Reverend Gladys Charmaine. Is, uh, she is one very outrageous person. I would like to share a little bit of my experience with Charmaine, and then we'll open the a dialogue here. Uh, came out with the book, Women of the Light, somewhere down the road. Uh, she read that book, and she wrote her own book. She wrote the book, and she approached me about what I'd be interested in publishing the book. Well, I've never published anything other than my own writings, uh, and uh, DVD documentaries and instruction DVDs. And I said, um, uh, thank you, but I, I, I just not into getting into that role of publishing other people's work. But we got to know each other and she became a, a beta tester for a lot, of, a lot of things I was doing. Put the shaman cards and then whispered crystals 
So we've known each other maybe over 15 years or so, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, and it's been a lot of uh, change, expansion, uh, evolution in that time. She has a lot of experience in this arena. So Charmaine, Robin Carter's Charmaine. Oh, let me go ahead and mention her websites. Sensuous Mystic. The Sensuous Mystic. Oh, she's a the sensuous mystic. The sensuous mystic. The sensuousmystic.com, uh, where she talks about her individual sessions and her workshops. And then uh, for her video channel, Pussy in the Sky Goddess. The Pussy in the Sky Goddess. Oh, I, oh. <laughs> uh, the oh, one and only, the, the Pussy in the Sky Goddess.com and the sensuous mystic. Uh, lot of videos and uh, she is a a real sexuality uh, sensuality educator and she is a nudist she just she and her partner just came back was it Jamaica Jamaica Edenism and there was a at a, a nudist resort where they were party, party, partying and soaking up the sunlight uh, for a week or so. Uh, yeah. so she's Celebrating here. our wedding anniversary. All right. Okay. Yeah. Charmaine, welcome. Thank you. God bless you, Ray. Thank you. Any particular topic that you want to go into? I, a lot of little things I'd like to go into, but... Uh, um, yeah. uh, I can just share a little about like you, you started off by um, talking about how we met and I wrote my book uh, because I had um, started out in Manhattan as a sexual surrogate in a healing center, sexual healing center. And in that space, I evolved and spirituality just, I mean, I've always been like a religious kid going to the church and going through fundamentalism and had to pull myself out of that to actually survive. But with that being said, I always felt a connection to the divine. And when I became a sexual surrogate, I felt that same connection in healing people. I also felt that same spirit speaking in tongues, singing gospel songs, um, praying, meditating. Um, and so it just, it was always blended in me, but it didn't have the proper path because in, in most of our life, sex and spirituality are separate. Our religion and sex is different, but it wasn't that way for me. And I've always asked questions as a young person. And when I was, even before I became a surrogate, I was already on the path of Tantra without knowing it. I asked my boyfriend after I got out of my first marriage, I asked, don't you, don't you think there's something else that's going to be happening with sex? There's more to it than just this orgasm. And he said, I... I I think I know what you're talking about. He said someone had, had given him a book by Margot Anon, The Art of Sexual Ecstasy, and he handed it to me. And uh, I would think, how old was I then? I think I was 26, maybe almost 27. And 27, 30, 30 so that's 30 years ago. And I looked at that book and barely could pronounce a word. I didn't know what a chakra was. It saved my life. But I read that book and I sat and tried to do the diagrams. I remember trying to do the inner flute. And, um, but I, I, I did it and I was practicing it and learning it. And I had already been in a space of meditating on my own, just over stress issues and went to the doctor. Just, I had to learn how to go inward. 
just for basic life, just to live, you know, just to be healthier. And then somehow with this and that door closing and this door opening, I ended up in Manhattan and interviewing to be a surrogate. And when I got that position, I looked at the my uh, bosses, the therapist's books, and the art of sexual ecstasy was there. Could you explain sexual surrogate? Imagine St. Johnson's, their book came out around 1967, 68. Uh, this is some of the first physiological research on what happens in orgasm, uh, the patterns you know, in different male bodies and different female bodies. And so they started in, including in the psychotherapy practice, uh, what we call sensate focus, somatic yep. practices. Mm -hmm. And, but then not everybody can come in with their partner. So evolve the surrogate partner. Substitute who, partner. Uh, and who would come in the recession to facilitate uh, the person in therapy to contact with his or her body and sensations, adding the physiological um, uh, somatic aspect to that. And it became very popular uh, and at some point around the 70s, I guess it was, this whole role of the sex surrogate that Maine did change to a surrogate partner at some point. Uh, and so that's the context of that. And the way it was usually done was a person, uh, often female, but sometimes males, uh, would be uh, working with the therapist uh, to facilitate him. The therapist would the talk therapist would do some sessions, the sex surgeon would do some sessions, and then they would collaborate to, uh, and help the, uh, uh, the person in therapy to be more sexually aware uh, and functional. So that's the context of sex surrogacy. Um, uh, anyway, so please yeah. go on. The sex I worked for this Center for Life Enhancement for six and a half years. In the first three years, I was a sex surrogate. And then in the last three years, I became a surrogate, surrogate healer and um, working with them so they could work better with, with sessions. And also, I started to counsel the surrogates and do some counseling with, with the clients that came in, in addition to the therapists that they were working with as well. Because I, I get very, very good and tuned in to people. And, uh, but as a surrogate, what I realized was the feeling I had in having sex with them or talking with them and touching or holding, teaching, teaching people how to hug, teaching people how to kiss, teaching people how to look into your eyes, you know, people, teaching people how to know what this feeling is when you're stroking them here. People are so disconnected. But what started happening with me is I felt the same feeling I had in church or singing or in, in, in prayer or speaking in tongues. And I was like, well, I knew there was more to sex and it was the spirituality. And as I, and when I, the, when I discovered that they already had the book by Margot Anand, I said, I have that same book because when I was hired as a surrogate, it, it wasn't for, for Tantra. It wasn't, it was just straight Masters and Johnson's teaching. But then um, my boss told me I'm studying this and going to some Margot Anand workshops to see if this is something we can bring into the practice. And then not only did we bring in Tantra, and she they flew us to California to Harbor and Not Hot Springs, as well as the Margot and I came to New York City 
we went to the workshop she had in the city and also hypnotherapy became part of it and Reiki became part of it. And I became a Reiki master in 94, I think it was 94. And then, um, and then in all of that, I went into seminary because I just, the song was in me. It was in my pussy, it was in my heart. I just I felt led to go into seminary to become a minister. And with all of that, um, when it's so crazy though, I went through a spell when I got out of surrogacy, then I'm just working as a healer in the center. Um, then I'm working, I'm doing Reiki, I'm counseling, we're studying hypnotherapy. I was able to just sit and do Reiki, put my hands across the person's body and feel other things that were going on in their chakras. Then I could see more of the blocks that would be going on in, in their lingam, in their cock, or in their pussy, in their yoni, and how to get that energy connected to their heart. It's just, but it was like, you couldn't really explain how to actually teach it except for me to do the work that I was doing, which I discovered was energy work. Then from there, I evolved out of the center and then started my own practice in Manhattan. I worked there for, in Manhattan on my own for 20 years. And I left end of... 2012 borderline in 2013 and then i continue just doing my workshops in manhattan and anywhere and and i'm here what's most important is when i became an interfaith minister in 1996 um was it yeah i think it was 1996 i began second sunday services in 1998 and counseling, but then goddess was calling on me hard because what I did for a time was I stopped doing surrogacy altogether. And I just started focusing on counseling, card readings, house blessings, weddings, baby blessings, you know, the function of a minister speaking in different churches and all this. And it was fine, but everywhere I was going, sex kept coming up, sex kept coming up. I'm done. I did the sex work already. I'm healed. I'm healed every, as much as I could do. I'm doing this now, but it didn't matter. If someone came for a reading, if someone came for a Reiki session, sex kept coming up. And I got really concerned. I was like, wondering why does this keep coming up? And I actually, in addition to going into straight therapy, I went into spiritual counseling. I wanted to make sure I didn't have a lustful demon or a sex, sex addiction based on stuff I went through even growing up. I'm like, well, I know I did this work and I'm good as a surrogate and everything, but, and I like sex. But at the same time, I'm doing this work and these issues are coming up with these people. I want to be straight. I'd let me go to a straight therapist. Let me go to a counselor. And I discovered in straight therapy, there is no sex addiction going on here, you know. And um, then in addition to that had going on, there's confusion around when you go around people are always getting turned on by you sexually. What am I doing? Am I trying to manipulate? people to look into my eyes and feel this way. Um, people sitting down next to me and telling me the whole life story all the time, just sitting on the bus or on the subway, running to someone on the street. But in, in counseling, what led me into counseling was one day I was coming out of the Source of Life Center in, in Manhattan and I was walking out, I just did a Reiki session and there was this man there, this, this tall man, older man, and he looked at me, he goes, whoa, where did you come from? I said, right there he said looked at me he ran into the room i want her room i want that room she said this is a goddess right here i said goddess said, you're a goddess i want her room. i want to be in her energy and his name was reverend peter georges and um he was a funny man a great man i mean I, I say was i haven't talked to him in a long time but 
he, I went into spiritual counseling with him. He was kicked out of the Catholic church and he was doing his own ministry. And he really helped me find goddess in me and helped me heal my wounds and my pussy and completely merged it with my heart. And I was initiated as goddess in 2000 by Reverend Peter Georges. And I've been flying high ever since, continued to grow and evolve. Then I met you. And then all the training I've had with you has only made my pussy more powerful and pop even more just to keep doing the work. And I'm not doing private practice anymore, but I'm still doing the work and all of the online work and the in-person work. We have naked church going on up here all the time. I have uh, self-love events going on online and in person just to break the taboos and the blocks that people have. And then you only lingo and merging it with the heart and just expanding it and expanding it. I've had my own challenges, but it's never turned my head as far as you're not going to tell me that my body isn't beautiful. You're not going to tell me that what I'm doing in my life is not divine. It is aligned with my purpose. I know there's more going on with sex. And it's way, way far than just how many orgasms you have, how many times you can ejaculate. It's like, what can I do with my sex? What can I do with my orgasm inside of my body that helps me to be better in my physical body and what I'm putting out into the world, what I'm, how I'm living my life, life as a woman, as a Black woman, as a wife, as a mother? It really is. It, it just completely transformed me. And then that's, that's why I'm always doing it. And I, 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 I can only go from the sensuous mystic to the pussy in the sky goddess because it's my consciousness. That's all I, obviously. Duh, obviously. So that's, that's, that's where I wanted to start. <laughs> Tell people a little, little bit about me. <laughs> well, uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier was second Sunday service. Now, what that is, is when she became... Uh, uh, ordained uh, yes. something like that ordained. sometime in uh, Manhattan you would every month every second Sunday you would have every second Sunday. nude uh, uh, spiritual uh, religious type uh, services second Sunday service was never nude oh and Sunday service never nude second Sunday was never nude holy body naked church is nude all right yeah, yeah. So Second Sunday services were closed on. It was alternative consciousness, goddess consciousness. Every second Sunday of the month for 18 years, I had services in Manhattan. All right. I think that was great. 18 years you did that. And now when COVID hit, I brought Holy Body Naked Church online. And then it picked up so well. Now I have it online and in person. And so I do it a lot more often now very close to once a month or every other month. And people are coming to Naked Church from all over the world now. So uh, how does someone uh, turn into that by doing it? How do yeah, they, they, they're on, they go to thecentuousmystic.com and they sign up to be on my email blast list. I do it through Zoom. And then people just give a, a donation, $20 donation or $5 or $10 or whatever. I send them the Zoom link. We have a 90 minute uh, Naked Church service. All right. So Preach, get naked, sing, dance. Give a message. It's all good. Great. One part you've not gone into is something that you told me about is that somewhere around the age of 16 or maybe younger, you realized that you were seeing auras in a light around people uh, or within people's energy field and body. And that was not common for everybody else. Oh, it was trouble. It, see, that happened because of church. I was in church and the prophet was walking around, touching people or whispering in their ears, telling them what their gift 
is, that God told him what our gift is. And he walked up to me and he whispered, you're a prophetess. And then he touched me and it flipped me out. I just started shaking. I started speaking in tongues for the first time. I stood up and I couldn't control the feelings. I could still kind of feel it in my eyes, wanting to kind of cry about it. It was, it, it was ecstatic. It was, it was like an orgasm. And I just kept going and going. And then my friends tell me what happened was I fell out, like in the aisle close to the front in the altar. Right? I don't know how long I was out, but I was out long enough that when I woke up, the church was over. And my friends were there and some other people. But when I was out, I just remember this face, kind of like a gold, like a white face, but like this golden light around. And it wasn't Jesus Christ. I knew it wasn't Jesus. I was looking at the light around the head, this golden light the whole time. And I can still see it. And when I came to, I could see that energy around everyone in the room. And I told them that I could see this light around the head. Said, you can't see any light around the head. There's nobody with light around the head except for Jesus. I said, no, everybody has a light around the head. He said, no, they don't. Mm-hmm. And he said, you got a demon. Something happened to you. I was like, oh, no. And then that started the spiritual abuse of praying to get rid of the demon. Just that, that, because if I could see light around people's body, I was seeing demons, not light around people's bodies. People yeah. don't have the light, only Jesus does. But I, and then I would work to try to figure out to, how not to see it. Because of every time I talk about it, I would get teased or told that I was seeing something wrong. And so I didn't know how to work with it or control it. And then eventually, see, a lot of weird things was happening then. Not even just was the, the, the light I could see around people's bodies. Sometimes the light would change colors and it, it would have shape around it. So I discovered that that's not just the aura. There's other things that I could see, possibly guides or ancestors and stuff like that, objects. Then that would lead into sometimes having a lot of dreams that would come true the next day. And, um, but I really didn't know how to control any of it. I, was, I would ask sometimes when I go to bed at night, can I please have a dream to help me pass this test? You know, and that never worked. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with the dreams. I would just get dreams about stuff and like, what, what can I do with this information? You know? And uh, so, yeah, that, that, and then eventually when I, Pulled out of fundamentalism and found my way in New York City, being a sex surrogate, the aura came back and it came back strong. And I was able to work when I was in seminary with a man uh, named Alan Seal, Psychic Development. And he taught me everything about how to see the auras properly, how to read the energy. I could also touch and feel the energy and interpret it. And I did that with his teaching for a very, very long time. And along with Reiki, Reiki brought it back a lot too. With Reiki, I would see through the body and probably see the skeletal system and see things. It was, it was, it, it was uncomfortable sometimes, but when I learned how to communicate and interpret it, it became much easier. And then I would communicate a lot through cards. So that's why I read tarot cards so well. Something with the auras, speak to me even when I look at the turbo cards and then the person's energy even shows up even more. And then you know what happened when I started doing the levels with you and then how that um, worked itself out through me. Um, with 35 years of seeing the aura and then I hit level eight with you and then it went away. The sight went away and I got freaked out. And then it took, I don't know how many years and then it came back extremely different 
you know, but I can see it again with my open eyes, but I see it mostly with my eyes closed inside of me merged with the person. And, and I don't interpret it the way I was taught with Alicelian more. I, I interpret it based on like frequency and energy, like a gauge or something. It's very sensitive. It is so accurate. It's like, so it's like this very different. It's powerful. But, uh, so I, you know, I, my husband said to me the other day, like, Char, it's like, I don't know what it's called here, but it was like, um, like lottery thing. So it's like a billion dollars. Come on, use your power. Give me the numbers. Give me the numbers. I can't give you the numbers. He said, I feel it. We're going to win. I said, I can't give you the numbers. I don't know how to do that. I, I can just kind of like, if I, if it's in your aura that you were going to win, I probably see something in your energy field, like to tell you, yes, go buy the, the thing, but I can't tell you the numbers. It doesn't work like that with me. It's because it's really all energy and I can sense things and pick up things and give people messages that could bring them properly more in alignment with their divine birthright of prosperity, meaning an alignment with the things that they want to manifest for themselves. And it's sexual energy in auras is really amazing with, with the blowout. When you have an orgasm, what happens in your aura with the blowout, like the, the spiritual body bubble, you can see. And also if people are fucked up, when they have orgasm, they have really bad seed and stuff. That's a whole other kind of terrible thing that happens. It's like black, um, the aura turns to like black raindrops in a way. It's like, you can see these things. It's crazy. I mean, it feels kind of crazy when you see it all. I'm bringing this up because again, the point, uh, my sense is that what we're calling sexuality, what we're calling spirituality, and the psychic abilities and the shamanic abilities, that they're, they're all coming from within. Yes. This artificial distinction that has become a part of some main religious traditions that we grew up in. We were just born about eight, 60, 80 miles in North Carolina, away from where I was born and grew up. Uh, and uh, well, my family was from there, Goldsboro, North Carolina. I wasn't born there. I was oh. born in a taxi cab in Manhattan. Dreamy, <laughs> but my family was from North Carolina, and we would go there every summer. So yeah. But anyway, the religious tradition uh, that we more or less grew up in, uh, and how sexuality was treated as being uh, separate, and now you're talking about this ability to perceive auras is treated as demonic. Yes. And we have, my perspective, we've got to go beyond that. But um, how, does the, how does the preacher, the prophet come up to me and tell me I'm a prophetess and then I'm being told that what I'm seeing is demonic because isn't that what prophetess do? They get messages and they see things, they know the future. And how is that different from what I just saw? Like, no, they said, no, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. Well, it's the religious, narrow-minded, you know, I grew up in the Southern Baptist, which is similar but different in some ways, which you grew up. Uh, and it's, uh, we are so much more than what a lot of our religious upbringing uh, supports us to understand. Uh, and uh, so if you want to step in the, in the world of sexuality, sex surrogacy, tantra, you got to step into a different world. You want yeah. to go into phenomena, you got to step into a different world. Yeah. You want to psychic phenomena, you have to be willing to not feel um, that different 
because just because this culture does not understand it doesn't mean that you are, are off how to be sane in an insane world. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so uh, I'm saying this in terms of listeners and viewers that, you know, if there's something inside there, keep exploring it, keep exploring it. Uh, and um, don't assume that it's evil, negative, uh, that it's limiting, that it's demonic. Uh, it, there may be much more depth there that's trying to open up within us. Uh, and But you've, you've had to go through a lot of agony and ecstasy trials and tribulations to get to where you are to say, no way, that that's not your view, and this is how I view, of something like I'm experiencing is just limited. It's off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Yep, yep. So what I'd like to do at this point is the reading I've had uh, uh, in the literature about podcast, keep it to 20, 30 minutes, we're about at that time. So there's no way we want to stop here in terms of learning about. You see, I, I'm seeing you convey uh, uh, as a role model how one can go through, break through, expand beyond one's cultural limitations. Yes. Uh, and personal limitations. And so what we're gonna do is take a break here. There'll be a part two, which will be uh, on my website, sexualshaman.com. And they're, they're free. You're welcome to come, uh, whomever, and get some more of Reverend Goddess Shaman and the pussy in the sky goddess.com. Lucy finally got named. <laughs> Uh, if you'd like to join us, please do. If you would, uh, as a listener or a viewer, you'd like to contribute to this, you can go to the website, sexualshaman.com, and click on the Be a Patron button to make a contribution. Greatly appreciated, but it is free. Uh, and uh, since this is the beginning of the uh, podcast, videocast series, I'm treating myself and my training uh, as a sponsor. Uh, so... Uh, I give a, a in-depth training in energy. I used to call it path of the sexual shaman, but it kept expanding, expanding more and more shamanism, more and more Tibetan Buddhism influences. So if you want to go into a depth of a, a expansion, it's something you might want to consider, and that's on my website. Great. Charmaine, any, any parting words here for the, uh, oh, let me give you a website again. TheSensuousMystic.com uh, uh, for your uh, sessions and workshops uh, or to learn about the uh, uh, Naked Church online uh, and uh, The Pussy in the Sky Goddess <laughs> an awesome name uh, .com to watch Charmaine's video which can be very informative uh, uh, and uh, very knowledgeable. Charmaine, any last things you'd like to say before we complete part one here? God is blessings to everyone. God is blessings. Thank you. And have a wonderful afternoon, morning, or evening, folks. <laughs> <laughs>